Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, transformed by the renewing of our minds, we're in part 4. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Last week, we considered what it means to not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead to conform our whole beings, our spirit, our soul, and our body to the example of Jesus Christ. When we, when we do that and we think about that and we said, you know, patterns of this world and we were looking at that, when we look for worldly influences, when we consider, well, what is the worldly influences that we should not conform to, and we think about worldly influences that can affect our relationship with God, I was telling us, I was reminding us, before we start looking externally at other people, places, and things, Based on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, we need to first consider two things. One, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, seek to influence us to disobey God. And two, our own cravings and desires influence us to indulge our flesh. So these two factors are quite important. So before we start looking somewhere else, before we start looking outside and we say, oh, that person, you know, worldly, that person ungodly, I will stay away. Let's first make sure that we're paying attention, we're discerning the work of the evil one, the work of evil forces to try to get us away from God. And let us be discerning of our own internal cravings and desires that keep us from God, right? Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, it charges us to put on the full armor of God and to withstand these evil spirits that are scheming in every day and every age. They're doing everything they can to get us to think contrary to the word of God. So the evil spirits, their goal is not so much that we would say, oh, you know, there is no God or anything, but they, the, the most, most subtle way or the most, you know, sort of way that we may not even notice is to think in a way that is contrary to the word of God, to the will of God, to the truth of God, and we don't even realize it. So these, these forces of darkness are at work in that way, and so we are told to put on the armor of God to withstand that. And in the past three weeks, I've been closing our services with that same blessing that ends with that charge from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, which says that we should demolish 
arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and that we have to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So every week we've been reminded of that. But here's what, second, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. But here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 state. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What kind of strongholds? These false arguments, pretensions, all these thoughts that would not be according to God or the will of God. We have the power to demolish those kinds of strongholds. So when you put all these verses together, it is clear that to keep ourselves from conforming to the pattern of this world, we need to demolish the strongholds of false arguments, pretensions, ungodly thoughts in our minds. But when we talk about this, and when we look at these and we understand this, what that makes very clear for us is that we then have to wage spiritual war in the battlefield of our minds. We're not waging war as the world does. We're not waging physical battle. We're not, you know, we're not identifying some sort of battlefield. Oh, if we get to this place, then we'll go there and we'll you know, wage war. No, the battlefield is right in our minds. And when I speak about our minds, I'm speaking about our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, our intellect, and our will, all of that, all of that we would consider ourselves, our soul, our, you know, what's in us as such. And right there, there's this battle raging. And you know that it affects each of those things differently. Thoughts or intellect and will, emotions, memories, everything is affected differently. Right? And, and the, the attack that can come is to try to corrupt every one of those things, is to attack every one of those uh, areas of our lives, of our beings. So which brings us to the phrase that we're considering this morning, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can worship God by offering our whole beings as holy and pleasing living sacrifices that are not conformed to the patterns of this world as and when we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're not able to do the first part unless the second part is happening. Unless we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we can't come to God and offer our bodies as living sacrifices. As, unless we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we won't view the mercies of God in the right way. Unless we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we won't be holy and pleasing to the Lord. We would be living for ourselves. So it becomes critical for us to say, all right, God, how do I get transformed by the renewing of my mind? And this transformation, this metamorphosis that Paul refers to, it's not resulting from just a slight change in our way of thinking. I used to think this, and I, you know, I just... I, made a slight change and I've been you know, transformed. 
It's not speaking about saying, well, I think, you know, these 20 things and I changed three of them. It's not, it's not that. It is a radical overhaul. It is a process of totally changing who we think we are or what we should do and where we should go. It's a radical change. So if we have been going in one way, in the ways of the world, in the patterns of the ways of the world, if we've been thinking a certain way, and then we come to know about Jesus, you can't take Jesus and add him into those things. Or you just say, well, you know, I've been doing these 20 things, I'll, t I'll, I'll take out these things, and here, I'll just insert these things from God, these things from the Bible, these things that speak of Jesus. I'll just add it in, and I should be okay. It's a radical change where our entire mindset the way we look at things, the way we consider things, the way we think about and we live changes radically. And so the question that we would ask right here, even as we think about this, is, you know, I, I would lay this question out right now, even before we get to the end or to a point of application, is when we think of our lives as Christians, do we think of them, do we see them as being radically different from when we were not Christians? Now, you may have grown up in a Christian home. You may have grown up hearing about Jesus and knowing the truths about Jesus for all your life. You may have grown up singing these songs and going to a church and doing all of those things. But I challenge you, has there been that kind of radical change in your thinking? Because the fact that you would have grown up in the Christian home and known these truths in your natural mind as such does not mean that you've actually given your life to the Lord, that you've actually received these truths as applying to your life. You may simply know them in your mind, but not know them in your heart. And you're not confessing and not giving them in a way that would be given over to the Lord. So, as we continue to give ourselves to the Lord, and we say, Lord God, I am giving myself to you, we are looking for that kind of a radical change. Right? We're looking for that kind of a complete transformation. So, as we speak about the renewing of our minds, I want to give you three things as we consider this, and we say, the renewing of our minds is dependent... It's dependent on the supernatural power of God. The renewing of our minds is dependent on the supernatural power of God. See, the renewal of our minds, according to the Bible, is when new life is breathed into that which is lifeless. We don't say, I'm, I was living a pretty good life, and then God renewed me. I was dead in my sins, and God gave me new life. That has to be the, even the realization that we have. I, you know, we tend to think of ourselves and say, I was pretty good, and God made me better. Right? I, I was doing pretty good things, and God helped me to do some more. I was helping a lot of people, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm able to help a little bit more. But it's not like that. We're saying, I was dead. I was lifeless. I was not able to do the right things in and of myself. And when God came along, when Jesus came along, he put life into me. He gave me new life. So it's not about changing our habits 
So it's not about us on our own changing our habits and behaviors or doing a few adjustments or adding a few things. And it's not even, it's not even us limiting or, or saying, well, okay, I know that I need to follow Jesus, so I will imitate, I will follow his example and do what he did. What, did, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus you know, have acted? How would he have acted? Okay, I'll, I'll imitate those things. So it's not about what we can accomplish in the natural. There are many people around us who have done remarkably well at controlling their external physical bodies and their internal selves. You, you look at them and they're like extremely disciplined about their physical body and they are extremely focused and alert and they are calm and, and you see them and you say, wow, I mean, these people have, seem to have a lot going. You know, they've got it together in terms of all of these things, how they're you know, living their lives. And yet, they are not being transformed into the image of Christ. Why? Because being transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of our minds is about yielding to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It's not about us saying, I got it under control. I can do this. I've done it. I'm living my life correctly. It's not. It's about saying, I yield to the Holy Spirit to the very breath of God that would give me life. You know, many things in our Christian walk and many voices around you are telling you how to be a better you. You can be a better you. Jesus says, no, I want you to die and I want you to live now because Christ is living in you. You know, and we've seen through the first 11 chapters of Romans that God does a supernatural work of justification to bring us to himself. It's not by our works, it is by grace. And then God provides supernatural power to sanctify us, to make us holy. It's not by our efforts, it's not by our righteousness, it is by his blood, it is to, by his grace to cleanse us and to renew us. And every day we're yielding to the Holy Spirit. Our spirits, our souls, and our bodies in alignment under the Holy Spirit. And so we, we are constantly reminded that we need the supernatural power of God to work in us and through us. We need, we are dependent on this supernatural power of God. If we think that, you know, all that we need is God saying, yep, you're saved, and then we can just go live our lives in our own strength. We're fooling ourselves. We are daily dependent on the supernatural power of God. But here's the other important point, because I told you that one of the ways that we have to look at the worldly influences is to be discerning of the evil forces of darkness. Demons and, and the devil are real. They are real. Now, I'll get to this in just a few minutes. We don't have to be afraid of them, but... Here's the thing. It is the supernatural power of God 
which also allows us to stand against the supernatural forces of darkness in this present age. So the supernatural power of God is not just to cause us to live when we were dead, to bring us to life and to sustain us in that life, to preserve us in this life, but it is also to help us to stand against other supernatural forces. The devil is not equal and opposite to God. The devil is not at all on the, on that, in that context. You can't compare them, but it, the devil is a supernatural force, supernatural entity, not what we see and perceive with our natural senses. And so how do we stand against that supernatural force? We need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible warns us that the devil comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. The devil prowls about seeking who he may devour. But by the power of God, we can resist the devil. And remember last week we saw that one of the four areas or patterns of this world where we must safeguard our hearts and minds is that of fear. One of those things that we have to really pay attention to is the fear that we could be under. And, and very closely related to fear is doubt and unbelief. right? And the devil wants nothing more than to have us fear him. Be afraid of what the devil could do. Oh, I don't know what the devil could do. Right? And the devil would be glad to have us fear the past. Oh, what will happen when what I did is found out? What will happen when these things that I have done, those things bear fruit? Oh, I, and you're afraid of the past. The devil would love for us to fear the present. How do I deal with this? How do I get the money? How do I, you know, take care of this resource? You know, what do I do for my child? I mean, we become afraid, anxious, desperate. The devil would love for us to be afraid of the present. And the devil would, have, would love for us to be fearing the future. What will happen to my children? What will happen to me? What will happen to this world? What, what will happen if? And we start to come up with all sorts of scenarios and become afraid for the future. So the past, the present, the future, you know, all of this, the devil would be glad to have us living in that kind of fear. And if we're constantly afraid of what the devil will do, if we're nervously looking for a demon behind every bush, if we're afraid of what people will say, if we're anxious about our provisions, our protection, and our purpose, we will become paralyzed by fear. Fear will stop us. Fear will keep us. We'll be afraid of attempting anything for God out of fear of doing the wrong thing or that it'll make us a target for the devil. If I just don't do anything for God, then the devil will avoid me. He won't bother with me. But if I do something for God, oh, the devil will come after me. And we get these fears that will cause us to not be doing what the Lord does or wants. But we must be renewed in our minds. We cannot think of our weaknesses or lack. Instead, we think of our omnipotent, all-powerful God. We don't know. We, could, we don't think of what we don't know. Instead, we think of our omniscient, all-knowing God. We don't think about where the devil will attack us from. 
Instead, we think of our omnipresent God who covers us entirely in him. There's nothing that can come against us if we are covered over in him. When we think of ourselves as more than conquerors, as victorious in Christ Jesus, then when the evil forces of darkness attack our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our marriages, our families, or our circumstances, we can calmly and simply rebuke them and tell them to be gone. It's not some big dramatic thing. You don't have to have a big, you know, exorcism service, you know. You don't have to do anything very dramatic. You simply exercise the authority that you have. And when you recognize, when you see, oh, this is the devil trying to attack me, trying to bring fear, trying to bring anxious thoughts, you simply say, no, I don't, I don't receive this. I rebuke it calmly and clearly. Tell the devil to go. And he has to. So when we do this, we can depend on the supernatural power of our God to renew our minds. Next, the renewing of our minds is dependent on the indwelling word of God. We keep talking about this all the time. But I want to keep saying this so that we get it, that in describing the use or our use of the armor of God in Ephesians 6, we're told to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God, that is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart is a weapon that is unlike any other weapon of the world. And the Bible says, take this up. Take up the sword of the Spirit. It cuts through the false arguments of the world. The word of God equips us to stand against the temptations of evil forces. It is recorded, or in the three recorded temptations of Jesus by the devil, each time Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written, and quotes the appropriate word of God to refute the devil's arguments. And ultimately the devil leaves him alone. The word of God is what equips us to deal directly with the temptations that we face. Whatever situation. And, and, and the Bible is remarkable, even as we were praying through Psalm 119, the Bible is remarkable that no matter what situation you're facing, there is the word of God that applies to that situation. It's not going to give you an exact, you know, it, it won't say if you have a temptation of watching you know, some particular show on TV. There's no verse in the Bible that says, stop watching this particular show. No. But it does give you instruction on what to do with your eyes. And it does give you instruction on how to perceive or to think about what comes into your mind. And so by that and through that, and you can say, oh, you know what? This particular thing is not glorifying to God. This, this particular thing is making me think like this. This particular thing is wasting my time. Okay. I have an action that I can take. And so the word of God gives us the means by which we can live. And all through our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we, must, we were reminded that we must hunger and thirst for God's word. You know, in fact, the Bible speaks about it, that we pant for the word of God. 
You know, think about that. If you're so thirsty that you're panting, that you, that you, I mean, you're just like, ah, I've got to get some water. I've got to be able to satiate this thirst that I have. The Bible says you must think of the word of God that way. That you would constantly be saying, oh, I, I need this. I need the word of God. If I go a day without the word of God, I feel that thirst. I feel that hunger. Hunger pangs. And I would want to come to the word. That we would say, I want to hide your word in my heart. I want to delight in your word. I want to meditate on it. I want to appropriate its promises. I want to receive its wisdom. I want to seek understanding according to the word. And I want to diligently obey the word. When we are totally immersed in the word of God, when the word of God indwells us richly, when the word of God fills us to overflowing, then we can't help but have our minds changed by that living and active word of God. It will. It will affect the way we think. It will affect our interests, our desires, our everything. And so, finally, the renewing of our minds is dependent on trusting and obeying God always. Theologian and author Robert Mulholland, he describes the Christian journey as an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth toward wholeness in Christ. Let me read that again. An intentional, our Christian journey, is an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth toward wholeness in Christ. That has to be what motivates us. Our transformation in Christ is a lifelong process. We cannot yield to the demanding process of change that the Bible is describing just when it is convenient for us. Oh God, you want to change me now? Uh, I'm busy. Or mm, this, is a, this is not a good time. Can you come back next week? Right? We, can't, we can't make those kinds of conditions. It's, it's not, and this process of change that the Lord is working in us is not for a limited time. Oh, the last six months, oh, God was really working on me. I need a break, you know. God was really changing me in this area. God was affecting my thoughts about this. God was changing my relationships. Oh, okay, glad that period is over, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break. No, it's a lifelong process. It's not when we're, it's convenient, and it's not for a limited time. There is no pill to take or pilgrimage to go on, or promise to keep that will instantly transform us. We don't say, okay, all right, God, let me get this done with. No, lifelong. Isn't that encouraging? Lifelong. You feel you're under pressure? Guess what? The pressure is all for your life, for all your life. There is no other way. Even, even, you know, when people experience a miraculous salvation experience, they, something very dramatic happens and they say, whoa, you know, my life was changed. In an instant, my life was changed. So it's not just those folks who grew up in a Christian home and came to know the truth and came to know the Lord. They, came to, they didn't know the Lord and they came to know him in 
in a, some miraculous way. And even in that kind of a situation, that's just the first step in this lifelong journey. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't say, oh, yeah, 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 30 years ago, I experienced this incredible, you know, miraculous way that the Lord, you know, changed my life. I was going, you know, into sin. I was in drugs. I was in alcohol. And the Lord changed my life. And so I'm transformed. Yes, he did something dramatic and miraculous in that instant. But he's continuing to work in you for all your life. It doesn't stop there. It's not done. So God, in his mercy and knowledge, he knows that we need our whole lives to be changed, to go through a process of change. If he did the change all at once, it would be too much for us. And so God in his mercy and God in his knowledge of us, he who has made us, he who knows us, he knows exactly what we can bear. He says, look, I'm going to take you through all your life. Some things I'll deal with here, and some things will be later, and some things will be afterwards, and some things maybe when you're in your 80s, but I'm going to keep changing. And some things you may have had for decades, and some things you may have had only for eight days, and I, but I'm going to keep changing. I'm going to keep transforming. I'm going to keep working in you. When we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, we are committing to being shaped, molded, conformed, broken, and reformed for the rest of our lives. We're saying, God, for the rest of my life, do this work. And that's not easy. It sounds Simple, to sing or to say, oh Lord, I surrender. I surrender. No. But when the Lord starts pruning, when he asks us to give up something that we have been holding on to for a long time, when he asks us to discipline ourselves and exercise self-control, when he tells us to be patient, when he humbles us, when he corrects us, oh, it's not easy to trust and obey. But trust and obey we must. Trust and obey we must for the rest of our days. So that this lifelong process of transformation is not delayed or aborted. Cut short. Rather, that we would say, Lord, for all my days, whether I live on this earth for 50, 60, 70, 90, 100 years, for all my days, let your process continue. Let your process continue. We trust and obey so that the perfect work of God in us is fulfilled. Since, it, since our transformation process is a lifelong process, sometimes the changes are imperceptible to us and to others. It's God is changing, God is changing, but you can't even see it. You're not even really conscious of it. And we are so used to quick results that we become discouraged when that besetting sin does not seem to be broken or removed, when the spiritual attacks don't seem to ease up, relentless spiritual attacks, and when the answers to prayer don't materialize. We're like, ah, lifelong change and all that, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know if this is working. I'm not sure. 
And that's why we must trust God for who he is and for what he has promised. We have to say, Lord God, I don't even see the change. Nobody around me is seeing the change. But I got to trust you. I got to trust you and I got to trust your word. When you said you would do this, you will do this. And so I trust you. But it is also the reason because we can get discouraged, because these changes are imperceptible, because we may not notice it for ourselves. You know how you, know, you don't notice your child growing? You know, you don't notice it. And then you meet somebody else and they say, wow, your child has grown so much. And then you look at the child. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. We don't notice it ourselves sometimes when change happens. You know what we need? We need the fellowship of the saints. We need the fellowship of believers who can stand with us, who can encourage us, who can say, oh, I see the work of God in you. I see the change that's taking place in you. I see the Holy Spirit at work in you. I see how he's doing something in your life. Oh, you're not the same person that was here a year ago. You're not the same person that I knew a month ago. I see God doing something in your life. And so we need the fellowship of believers who can encourage us, who can set an example for us, who can counsel us, who can pray with us, and who are in that process with us. They didn't finish it. If they had finished it, they wouldn't be here. But you know, they're in the process with us. So we stand with them. We join with them. We fellowship with them. We get together as often as we can. We participate in the Lord's Supper together. We pray together. We encourage one another and we say, oh, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. The Lord who has called you is faithful to complete what he has begun in you. Lifelong process. And so we respond and apply this word of God that we are hearing by willingly renewing our minds so that we may be transformed. You know, the Lord doesn't force us. We don't wake up one morning when we were Christians and suddenly our, you know, we've been brainwashed. Our brains have just changed. Our way of thinking has just changed. That's in sci-fi movies, right? Completely different. Different. No, no. He doesn't force us. But he says to us, as you yield to me, as you willingly allow me to transform you by the renewing of your mind, I will do it. I will do it. And your thinking will be changed. Your mindset will be changed. Your worldviews will be changed. And I challenge you, I encourage you, look back. Look back on the past 10 years, past you know, year, past month, whatever. Has the Lord been working in you to change something? Maybe one area. May not be everything, but have you do you see the Lord at work? Oh, yield even more. Yield even more. Oh Lord, I've given you these six areas. Let me give you another six. Oh Lord, I see that you're at work in these ten areas. Let me give you another ten. Let me yield to you. Let me willingly have you transform me by the renewing of our minds. I said at the beginning that you know we tend to look outside. We want to look for those things outside and say, godly, ungodly, okay, if only I can go to the godly and avoid the ungodly, I'll be okay. If only I can keep my children, I can protect them from the ungodly, they'll be okay. We, we tend to think like that. But you know, when our minds are renewed, 
you don't even have to strive or struggle about what is godly, what is not godly, how to do this, what to avoid. You know, I better not listen to this, I better not do that. That's not even the focus. The mind of Christ that is in us. By the way, when you do that, you will never be able to set enough guardrails. Oh, I'll set this guardrail and then I'll be okay. No, just a little further down the road, there'll be another whole opportunity to go somewhere. And you can't, you won't be able to set enough guardrails to ensure your life, right? What we have to do is to willingly submit to the Lord that he changes our thinking in such a way that everything we look at, ungodly or godly, we see it as the Lord would see it. We see it in terms of what he would want. And the filter that we have for our lives is what the Lord would have us see. That changes our perspective. So now we're not on the hunt. We're simply living. We rest in him. We are at peace. We're not striving. We say, oh God, thank you. That because of what you have done, I can look at everything around me and I can live. I can be. I can associate. I can be in the world but not of it. I can associate with those that maybe even are directly opposed to you, rebellious to you, and yet I can show your love, deal with them with grace, and be in communion with them, and be in, in connection with them. So this morning, I want to encourage you. You know, as we have been going through the scriptures, this truth would truly direct our thinking and would cause our change for everything. This year, let this be, you know, at the beginning of this year, I said, these messages, I, I was so glad for the timing of the Lord. These messages are really setting the tone and the theme for this full year. We've been going through just these two verses for this whole month of January. And I want to encourage you that this will be our theme for the rest of the year, for the rest of our days, for our lifelong processing. And that we would say, oh Lord God, let me be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you that your word is good, that your word is complete, that your word encourages us, Lord, to come to you and to receive life. Father, we pray that you would indeed cause us to renew our minds. Not because we can do it. We can't do something to our minds. We can't forget. We can't remember. We can't think right. But Lord, when we come to you, Lord, you can do all of that. Lord, your word says that you forget our sins. God Almighty can forget our sins. That means that you can cause us, Lord, to erase those things from the past that need to be erased. Lord, your, your word says that you can cause us to have the mind of Christ. That means, Lord, for everything in the present. Lord, we can trust you. We can rely on you. We can have a clear way of thinking about what is before us. And, Lord, your word tells us, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. 
Sufficient for that day, sufficient for the day are the troubles thereof. You simply obey, you simply trust, you simply live according to the word of God and the promises of God. Lord, the very future that you have outlined will come to pass. They will be fulfilled. We don't have to be fearful or anxious about our children, our circumstances, our jobs, our, our health. Lord, we are responsible and obedient. And we trust you, Lord, to work all those things together for good. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that we don't have to be thinking about and anxious about what we will drink and what we will eat and what we will wear and where we will live. Lord God, you said that you will take care of us, that you will provide for us. And so we look to you. But Lord, this morning I pray that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that our thinking would be changed, that our minds would be totally and completely willingly yielded to you so that, Father, what we think about what we think about will be those things that are true and right and noble, those things that are, Lord, uh, of good report, those things that are according to the word of God. Come, Lord Jesus, do this work in us. Make us more like you, transformed to be like Jesus. And Father, we commit this morning as a church Lord, not to a month, not to a short period of time where we can sort of say, oh yeah, that was a good series. We commit to our lifelong process through the rest of this year, through the rest of our days, that you would continue to transform us, change us, mold us, shape us. Never stopping. And for us, never desiring for it to stop all our days, that we would continue to be transformed into your image by the renewing of our minds. We ask it in Jesus' name.